1: Greetings, welcome to the Embracing Your Unlimited Possibilities podcast. I am your host, Carol A. Briney, and I am thrilled to be here with you as we walk down our path of never-ending joyous expansion together. My guest today is an award-winning mindful executive strategist, a certified coach, an And the president of StartingOverNow.com. Her consulting firm helps people get confident, get connected, and get the corner office by using her proven C-suite formula. That same formula took this woman from welfare to CEO of organizations worth up to $26 million. This Wonder Woman has more awards and achievements than we have time to list on the show, including a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Pittsburgh Society of Association Executives and the Women of Integrity Award by the Pittsburgh Professional Women. Please help me to welcome mindfulness expert and one of my mentors, Mary Lee Gannon, to the show today.
2: I am so happy to be here, Carol.
1: And we are thrilled to have you. I woke up this morning saying, I can't wait to do the, com- or the, the interview. <laughs> I was so excited.
2: <laughs> me too. Me too. I, I, I love your work, and I, I love being able to share about empowerment, exactly what you said. It's so It's so important for people.
1: Yes, indeed. Well, Mary Lee, this show goes by so fast. We are going to jump right into questions because I know our listeners want to hear some of the words of wisdom that you have to share today. Is that okay with you?
2: Absolutely. I'm I'm really interested and excited to do it.
1: Great, great. So, you know, today we are going to speak a lot about mindfulness and how to integrate a mindfulness practice into your life. But before we get into the real meat and potatoes part of this interview, I was wondering if you could share a little bit about your journey from welfare mom to CEO.
2: Well, I'm happy to, Carol. Thank you. I was in my mid-30s, and I was living what looked on the outside to be the country club life. I was a stay-at-home mom with four children under seven years old, and I would take them to the pool or their activities, and it seemed like a fairy tale, but the truth was, behind closed doors, I was living in an unpalatable marriage, and I finally mustered up the courage to file for divorce on a leap of faith. I hadn't really prepared monetarily for that, I just knew that I was, I felt like I was drowning, and I filed for divorce to sort of find some uh, breath of fresh air. Well, I wasn't at all prepared for the avalanche that befell me because when I filed for divorce, my husband six months later filed his businesses in bankruptcy on loans that I had co-signed. So therefore, all of our marital property was lost to the debt On his business that he hadn't paid in those six months, which was our home, all of the automobiles. And so it positioned him to walk away with all the assets of the marriage and for me and the children to be homeless without a car. School was starting. It was the summer. I needed to find a home to get them back into school. They, um, had to leave. they were going to Catholic school at the time, and they had to go into private school on free and reduced lunch. They were, we were all on welfare, food stamps, medical assistance. And it was a very difficult time. My husband then subsequently opened up the same business in the same buildings with the same inventory and equipment under a different name. And the children and I were, were absolutely impoverished. So at that point in my life I'm looking at four mouths hanging open in front of me like baby birds and I'm saying, What am I going to do? I don't have time to go back to school. I can't chase this um self employed man through the courts. He's positioned to do better than I am. I had lost all of my money trying to, to find justice that way. <clears throat> and so I thought, okay, God gave me a brain, I am not disabled. There's something I can do here. And I had a child with a developmental disability, and I knew what it was to, to be compromised. So I felt blessed to be in the position to think straight and execute. And I put together a plan, a very succinct plan, about how was I going to get out of here. And I followed it. I, you know, I have five steps that I talk about in my process, and one of them is clarifying direction. I knew that I didn't have time to work my way up the ladder. I had to go into a field very quickly that had high return, and I saw that as sales. So I mentored under people, I learned to sell. and you know and I had to the second step in my process is I had to transform doubt i had so much oppression and i you know you sort of juggle with that did i deserve this what did i do i was a good wife how could this happen to me must be something wrong with me and all of that doubt that inner critic that keeps inserting itself into your life self sabotages your your progress because then you start playing to that and not expecting things to be any better and settling down to a new normal which keeps you small and that playing small then has you in a very compromised environment. You aren't spending time with people who stretch you out of your comfort zone, which is my third step, optimize your environment. Get out of this mindset where you're trapped into thinking this is all you deserve and spend time with people who are where you want to be. And I started doing that, mentoring under people, learning new skills, And I applied – actually, I volunteered first to teach myself the skills I didn't have and then applied those skills uh, to job applications once I had some volunteer successes under my belt. And that's where my fourth step is I defined my it factor. Okay, I'm really good. I can sell. But sales is a difficult role because you have to travel a lot. I have four children at home and i have to be at home so i went in. i lateraled that skill into fundraising where i could use my sales skills but more in a local environment and defining that it, it factor is what really saved me you know the day the sheriff taped the sheriff's sale sign onto my home in a most exclusive neighborhood of pittsburgh i just tore it right down and never read it cuz i said to myself this is not me This is happening in my life, but this does not define my life because I am still who I am by the direction I set in the first step. So following that process, I moved from um, doing some volunteer fundraising to gaining an executive role in a hospital. I was hired as the executive director of a hospital foundation from volunteer fundraising efforts I had done for another private client of mine. At this point, the divorce was over. I needed health insurance to cover all of the children because I was making too much money now to still be on uh, Medicaid. And I applied for a CEO role when I had no previous paid fundraising experience. How did I have the mojo to do that? Because I went through these steps, trusted myself, was very calculated about how I paced my steps. And when I, I I can still remember going to the interview leaving the interview and going right to the bookstore and purchasing Fundraising for Dummies because I didn't have a clue how I was going to do that job. But I knew I could figure it out. They weren't asking me to operate anybody on anybody at the hospital. That I would have needed a specific background for. But I could figure this out. And in my first book, Starting Over, I talk about the two traits that successful people have. And one of them is be fearless, not reckless. Reckless is I'll do anything at all costs. Fearless is um, I know what the risks are, but I'm going to do it anyway. And the other st- the other quality of successful people, of all the people I've interviewed, is they ask questions or they figure it out. So they, they're they not embarrassed to say, I don't know how to do this. Will you help me? Because they have humility. And I think that's the quality that I had to keep um In the forefront and put the doubt aside because where there's doubt there's pride and we we mask doubt with pride anger gets in the way and that leads to ego and when we can just recognize that mindfully see that it's going on and coexist with it and move beyond it let the train that's carrying that go on by instead of stopping at our station uh, that's how we progress. And from, I went from one hospital to another to another, and, and now recruiters call me. I don't ever look for a job. that executive recruiters call me, and and I'm grateful for that because the humility I learned along the way in saying, hey, I don't have this all figured out, is what gave me the premise to to be okay in my own space, in my own skin, with who I am where I am right now you are enough who you are and where you are right now you are enough we all work on things but you come to the table enough if that makes sense
1: carol certainly we talk about that all the time on this show is the source has given you everything that you possibly could ever need to fulfill a dream. You would never be given a dream that you not fulfill if you simply believe and get out of your own way. Believe in yourself, believe in the dream, believe in the source behind the dream, and get out of your own way. So thank you for sharing that. That is so empowering. It's, it's absolutely powerful for people yeah. to hear. Um, I know sometimes people see really, really successful people and they say, oh, that was so easy for her. Of course that's easy for her. She's a CEO. Of course that's easy for her. She lives there. Of course that's easy for her. Her kids are all raised. Whatever, you know, we we always compare our our faults with somebody else's best <laughs> that we never look. Pardon?
2: If you're so right, Carol, It's it's so prevalent. We... You know, I, I see in my practice that you know we we have two things that bring us down: expectations and expectations are, I think, the worst because you're we do exactly what you're talking about: we compare and judge ourselves against others. And the whole premise of mindfulness is accepting what is and paying attention to the moment without judgment. And noticing if you're judging, noticing it from an observation perspective, not becoming the judge person. And I think that what you say is so key, trusting that you have everything inside of you and whatever source that comes from right now, not having to be... Uh, comparing yourself or or judging yourself against others. And the other thing we do is we grasp onto those expectations and we don't want to let go or we avert, we avoid, we go into denial. and, And that can be as deadly as well because when you can't sit in your own space, and sadness is okay, I think for many years, I really avoided sad. I was so sad. But I avoided sad, and I needed to be able to get to a place where I could sit with, you know what, this is very sad, what happened here. I don't need to be angry about it anymore. And when you can release that, you don't have to carry around that burden of, well, this isn't fair, and why did this only happen to me? And, you know, it's freeing. It's it's like a... a a, letting a helium balloon out and and letting it go free—it's just it's just wonderful. And and you say this in your messages all the time. I think it's such a service for people.
1: Well, once again, thank you so much for sharing because people—I don't think we can hear this enough. And I think especially as women. It is so good to always empower each other. I mean, we all need to empower each other, men and women, because we do sometimes bring our messages from childhood into adult life, and some of those messages weren't the best. Um, Even though our parents did the absolute best they could, some of those messages made us feel unworthy or not good enough, so it's great to hear this over and over and over again until you finally get it.
2: Well, you're, you're so smart, Carol, because if you look at the research, if you read any of uh, Brené Brown's work and, and some of the research on happiness, you will see that the number one indicator of success and happiness is do you feel worthy to be there? Do you feel as if you belong? And conversely, the reason why people are unhappy and unsuccessful is because they don't feel they're worthy and they don't feel they belong. So how do you position yourself? And it goes back to exactly what you were saying. How do you release the messaging that you've adopted as your sort of home base uh, in your life um, that was truly just – Impressions that you had either growing up or in a relationship or in a certain work situation, experiences that you've uh, been a part of don't necessarily make you who you are. They are part of what you went through, and there's a, a definite distinction between being somebody true to yourself authentically and becoming how you've been defined by situations or people, circumstances, etc. You are who you are regardless. You know, I teach this in the, I do a lot of leadership training. Leadership is about who you are no matter where you are seated at the table. You need not be the CEO to be a leader in a situation. It's the way you conduct yourself, the way you carry yourself, but truly the way you feel about yourself, which is what you were just saying, that you are, know who you are you know your values you know your strengths you know your character you know enough about yourself because you spent that mindful time defining it then you have that confidence that seems like smoke and mirrors and gray and absent when you haven't done that work to get in touch with defining who you are again no matter where you're seated at the table
1: can you explain a little bit about what mindfulness is?
2: Sure. You know, <clears throat> mindfulness is not a, uh, a tag word of you know, this century. This, mindfulness has been a practice. It's a Buddhist practice that has been around for centuries and centuries and centuries. So it's not nouveau. And it is not a religion either. It is a practice of life. It is a way of life. If you're Hindu, if you're Muslim, if you're Christian, if you're Jewish, no matter what religion you adopt, mindfulness can be a part of your life. And mindfulness is a particular way of paying attention to the moment in such a way that you do not judge anything and you accept what is. So all of the times that we've spent saying, this isn't fair. That person has um, more favors than I get. Opportun- opportunity. Why does she have a nicer house? Why? You know, I'd love to have that handbag. Any ju- there's no room for judgment. You just observe what's going on, and you accept what is there, and you move on. And, and here's a classic example. I was at a meeting last evening um, where I had to mediate a. a a rather difficult personality situation between some people in a professional uh, organization where i'm, I'm a, an advisor and and I'm sure you see this in your personal lives in your work where the issue on the table is not uh, tangible. we're talking about sometimes turf wars, we're talking about control issues and you know when you mindfully when you see this going on without becoming emotionally in a part of it so you don't insert yourself in a situation where you're having to draw a side and you might be one of the sides you're you're able to take the 30,000 foot view of yourself in that situation as an observing party mindfully accepting here is what i'm seeing in front of me i need not draw a side i need not take any judgment against anybody. I want to be a solutions provider. What can we do to resolve this situation? And that's how you become known to be an executive, a leader, stellar in character, is by being able to maintain um, very poised emotional control. I'm not saying don't have emotion because I'm very anti for that. Don't shut down your feelings because they all shut down. If you say, I'm not going to let this hurt me, you can become cold and guarded. and you they, Emotions build upon itself, themselves like dominoes. If one falls, they all fall. So if you say, I'm not going to let this hurt me, you're also not going to feel love and joy. But when you can say, I'm not going to have erupt or withdraw or whatever your trigger behavior is, I'm not going to do that because I can self-regulate in the moment because I have enough self-awareness in this moment to see the situation as it is and and execute on an executive level to bring this to fruition and we were able to resolve this conflict with a solution that was beneficial to all without there being anybody feel like they won or they lost so everybody sort of walks away not the victor not the loser but with resolution if that makes sense
1: well thank you for that explanation of mindfulness because i think people hear that term and and they do have some false ideas around it so that's a great explanation thank you so much you're welcome Mary we are going to take a short break, and we will be
0: right back. Cheswick and Oakmont Floral and Gifts, two lovely and award-winning shops filled with fresh flowers and unique, delightful, and thoughtful gifts. From flowers and angels, to fruit and food baskets, to specialty throws and sympathy remembrances, and so much more. Stop into these two charming shops and be delighted by all of the choices you will have to show someone special that you care. Delivering seven days a week for your convenience. Simply call 724 274 8870 to speak to a friendly and helpful sales associate, or visit their websites at www.CheswickFloralInc.com or OakmontFloral.com. Have you ever felt stuck? Have you ever felt like good things happened to everyone but you? Have you ever wanted things in your life to change? If you answered yes to any of these questions, Check out Carol A. Briney's book, Embracing Your Unlimited Possibilities, A Handbook for Life. For an autographed copy, go to carolabriney.com and simply click on the book. This powerful book is also available at your favorite online bookstore. Remember this, your life and your business will only grow to the extent that you are willing to learn and grow personally. So get your copy of this awesome book now. Because you are here to shine, and you'll never know how many lives you will impact by allowing your life to shine.
1: Welcome back. I am Carol A. Briney, and I am speaking with award-winning mindful executive strategist and certified coach, Mary Lee Gannon, about the importance of mindfulness in your life. Mary Lee, can you tell us a little about what the consequences of not being mindful
2: could be? Oh, that's, you know, such a good question. Um, they're they're dreadful. I see them every day in my uh, practice. I see them in my personal life. I see them in my professional life and my volunteer leadership roles. When we are not mindful, we end up feeling judged. We end up lashing out because we can't control our own emotions. We end up feeling victimized. As a result, then we can become a bully ourselves when really truly we're not mean-spirited, but because we feel we're losing control, we we become like a bully. And then sometimes if we're not mindful, we sense that, oh, I might be abandoned and they then we jump in and we start rescuing, always jumping in and people-pleasing. Um, these types of behaviors where you're out there saying things to yourself that intellectually and logically an outside party would probably say are not true, but yet you feel them and they keep you up. And Here's the classic symptom. Keeps you up at night. You overeat because you can't control so many things in your life so that you'll just start indulging in in, in a number of vices, alcohol, drugs, sex, weight. These things play out, and I see this in my practice, in all different kinds of ways because we extrapolate, fast forward to the doom and gloom scenario. When life is in this moment right now, You're not even guaranteed the whole day. You are living right now in this moment. How do I make the most of this moment? I'll give you an example. My son lives in Los Angeles, and he was home for 12 days. And the night before he left, I could sense myself starting to feel really sad that he would be leaving. And, you know, because I've done so much work in this area, I was able to notice that and say, you know what, I'm feeling sad and it's okay to be sad, but do I want that sadness to overtake this evening, my last evening with him at home? No, I don't. So I'm able to take the sadness and say, I notice that you're there and it's okay to be sad, but I am not going to wallow in sad because it's going to rob me of what I want in this last night with him. So that awareness is so key. The, the other way I see it play out in terms of dollars and cents in work is that, and this is fact, Gallup polls has uh, reported repeatedly that 70% of the American workforce is not engaged at work. So people, think about it, that you work with, 70% of them are unhappy. They don't want to be there, and then they become almost toxic within the organization. In their extreme, they're poisoning people around them, complaining all the time. When truthfully, if you're really unhappy where you are in your work, then look for other work. It's not reasonable for you to remain anywhere unhappy. Take some control and look at options, explore options, and and don 't poison the people around you because it 's not fair to them or to you to live in that state, so knowing in a recent Harris poll reported that only one in three Americans are happy, and only sixty percent are optimistic about the future, how do you find, mindfully how do you find that happiness? Because the truth is you probably can be happy where you are at work if you 're not judging yourself against somebody else or comparing your role to somebody else's, or expecting something that isn't happening. So finding that peace in the moment and understanding, and Princeton did a study on this, that money is not the root of happiness. Above the income level of $75,000 a year, earning more money does not produce emotional well-being. And again, that's a Princeton used study above $75,000 a year. So that means all the millionaires, all of the six-digit earning executives, the money is not bringing them happiness. So striving for the get, get, get more mentality, which is the opposite of mindfulness, it's mindless, is not going to bring that, that contentedness. Mindful people adopt mindful daily practices that keep them grounded. And that's you know, been studied and, and peer reviewed. They do things like meditation, grateful journals. You know, they, they're they're they have these practices that they mindset shifts that they work into their life when they're getting off track to bring them back into focus. And
1: isn't that so powerful? I listen to people so often that Are unhappy in their job Mm -hmm. and they want to change jobs but they don't realize that wherever they go there they are
2: oh Carol it's so important and I'm so glad you brought that up because change for the sake of change is a mistake it is I see people leave relationships change jobs and six months later, they're back into the same feeling. Because change for the sake of change is, you know, here's the pattern. Try something new. I get, and you know, all kinds of new job courses, to-do lists, uh, programs, you know, all these things, a new purse, a new handbag, new clothes, new shoes. And then they get excited for a while, and then change is not sustainable, and the new normal comes back, and then they expect nothing. They dummy down their life and play small, and then they feel stuck there and helpless because they're looking externally for things to validate and affirm them when everything they need, as you always talk about, is right within them. And, you know, think back to when you were a kid and you could play late, you'd stay up with your friends all night long, you'd laugh till it hurts, and you're sharing dreams and slaying dragons. That kind of feeling should be in your life every day. And if it isn't, it hasn't been in the last week, it's time to sort of not be looking externally but internally. How can I work on me to get there so that no matter where I go, I have that mojo, and because st- and when you don't, you asked how this plays out. Stress, stress is a killer. A third of all Americans report experiencing some sort of stress, and half of all Americans believe their stress has increased in the last five years. So, you know, I I work in a, a hospital uh, environment as a CEO. Two-thirds of all physician offices are related, to, office visits are related to stress, headache, stomach stomach ache, backache, chronic pain. It's a killer. Stress is linked to the six leading causes of death. So it's not only emotionally essential but physically essential for us to recenter ourselves into our source, into our authenticity, our values, our strengths, so that we can lead our lives, execute our lives from a place of wholesomeness and, and worthiness and belonging.
1: Can you share what mindful practices you use
2: daily? Oh, that's a, thank you for that question. I can. When I get up in the morning, I set an intention every day. And it might be, and I track these, it might be, um, Today, I, you know, if I, and I've had neck surgery and I have degenerative disc disease. So, you know, I have uh, sort of arthritic issues and I do yoga and, and things to feel good. So, if I've had a, a particularly sore day, my intention might be I am healthy. Because the truth is, I am healthy. I do have these things, but I don't become them. So, if I start to slip back into, oh, my neck and shoulder hurt all the time. I move into, you know what, I am healthy. I have very good eyesight. I have a very good brain. I have blah, blah, blah. So I'm healthy might be an intention. I am caring. I am loving. I am smart. Whatever your intention is for that day, and I think about it throughout the day. I also have uh, all of my clients write a personal personal mission statement and i have it taped right inside the dash of my car so every time i get into my car i can't miss it what it says um and and that is who i am and what i do that i live openly that i care about people that i have humility i like humor listen to myself and you know these types of things i thread throughout my day um i also Uh, I try and do it every day. I would say I'm successful at doing it two or three times a week. I write a letter to somebody, and generally it's a thank you letter, thanking them for something. And it might be something they did for me five years ago. Um, It might be something they did for me yesterday. But it's just a way for me to continue to express gratitude. And in the evening, I also do yoga in the morning before I get up, uh, or before I get dressed and get into the shower. I do yoga every morning. And then in the evening, before I go to bed, I have a gratitude journal next to my bed. I travel a lot and I take the journal with me no matter where I go. And in that journal, I write down two things every night. And Usually it's much more than this, but one is one thing that I'm grateful for that someone did on the outside that I had nothing to do with, and one thing that I acknowledge myself in noticing and observing. And sometimes those are moments when I was weak, and sometimes there are moments when I was strong, but I'm acknowledging that I'm noticing. So something, number one, I acknowledge, and something, number two, that I'm grateful for.
1: And isn't gratitude a game changer? <laughs> What a game changer we talk about that at the end of every show. It is such a game changer. It will put you back on track to be in where you need to be so quickly. Um, I know even when i 'm having my worst days, I start just turning around slowly. Well, but this is good, and i 'm thankful for this, and I appreciate yes. that and sometimes it 's little tiny things because you 're having a tough day, yes. but it at the end it changes you around and you get back into into the head space you want to be and the heart space.
2: You know, Carol, it's well just, yeah
1: I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, that's okay. Go go ahead.
2: I was thinking about you had asked about um mindful practice. Something as simple as driving to work. I used to just turn on my radio station or talk to a girlfriend on my uh, commute to work, now I either just put on quiet background music, classical music, or no music, and I just observe my surroundings. You know, noticing, paying particular, that's mindfulness, paying particular attention to what's around me, seeing people uh, crossing the road and thinking, you know, wonder what they did this morning before they got in their car and, and noticing the plants and the flowers and who planted those and the love that went into that, that type of noticing, you'll find when you get to work or even on your way home from work, if you've had a particularly stressful day, brings you into a completely different shift in your perspective.
1: Definitely, definitely. And that can also help people with abundance, If anyone who is listening is struggling with abundance for any reason and prosperity, just start looking around at the abundance in this world. There's so many leaves and so many pebbles and so many grains of sand and so many (laughs) blades of grass. And when you start getting into that abundance, I do that so often in my car because it just puts you in such a prosperous mode
2: Yes, 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 yes. And, and and also, with abundance, there comes, you know, with doc, what Dr. Henry, Henry Cloud says, we start to notice the necessary endings. So many times we hold on to things whose time has passed. And we really feel that abundance when we can release those things that really it's time to release so that you can make room in your life for the next wonderful open experience a lot of people their children move out of the house and feel this is just the end of my value but no there's something else out there waiting for you to be the bright shining moment as to be a part of that and and you can't see it like you said until you can get out of your own way uh, by letting go of those things whose time has passed making room for yeah. that exciting new thing in the future.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. Oh, I love this call. This has been, this has been such a fun uh, oh, chat here today. Mary Lee, can you give us one nugget of wisdom? Just, just one. We're getting low on time here, but what is one nugget of wisdom you would like to leave with people today?
2: I would say pay attention to your listening. We listen in three ways. One, for the person to take a breath so we can get a word in edgewise. Two, because we want to help them and tell them what they need to do when chances are they're not going to take your perspective. Three, is just to hear them. That active listening skill of being able to say nothing back to them other than what you heard so that you're just saying, what, after they've talked, you know what? What I hear you saying is X, Y, and Z. When they feel affirmed, That can help elevate your relationship with them. Think about how that would work with teenagers, people that report to you, to your superiors, et cetera. I I hear you. All you're saying is, I hear you. This is what you need from me, and I'm paying attention to that. Help me get there for you. I think that is the key. What... Relationship builder and connection is is the most important thing in success because we can't get there alone. We're all part of the same story.
1: Exactly. Oh, how powerful. How how very, very powerful.
2: Thank, Thank you. you. You're welcome.
1: You have a coaching and consulting practice. I do. And you work with clients, I'm assuming individually, but also perhaps in groups. Can you share a little bit about what you actually coach on and how someone sure. could find out what you do?
2: Sure. I'd be glad to. I have a number of clients, um, both personal and professional. I have a, an individual coaching practice where I work with people one-on-one who are either trying to switch careers, start a business, move up in their career, move up within their company. And I also work with organizations uh, culturally, so they're uh, – creating work well place wellness programs, and I'll come in and do mindfulness programs, board development, employee engagement, uh, development programs, stress relief, uh, mindful communication. Um, so there are all kinds of things, and, I, and most of my clients are national, so I'm coaching them via phone. Some of them are in groups. Some of them are individual. Uh, it depends on what the situation is, and I love the being able to do that uh, that diversified client base because I also function as a CEO of a $26 million organization. So I have the experience of knowing what it's like to work within a 55,000 member organization and how to uh, position uh, yourself for leadership. So people um, and get in touch with me either on my website, which is startingovernow.com, and I have lots of infor- free information, tips there. There's a wonderful webinar on positioning yourself and the step process that I talked about, uh, and all of that's free on the website. And um, Or uh, phoning me at 412-874-3918 or emailing me at marylee at startingovernow.com. Mary Lee at startingovernow.com. I'm happy to help anybody and it really is it's my calling. I don't you know, I have a a very nice role and a very comfortable position, but I love my coaching work because it's it's my hobby and it's where I find my most fulfillment.
1: Well, very good. And can you give that phone number one more time?
2: Absolutely. Four one two Eight seven four three nine
1: one eight. Okay, people, there is no excuse for you not to get in touch with Mary Lee. Get onto her website, check things out. Um, this just might be the moment you were waiting for to change your life. We end every show with a little bit of gratitude, and. I'm going to start that, as I usually do. And I am so thankful that I get to interview powerful, dynamic, and life-changing guests on my show. The best part is not only do I have a lovely time doing it, but I also get the added bonus of learning from some of the most knowledgeable, caring, and special people on this planet. And I am so thankful that you took the time to be with us today, Mary Lee.
2: Oh, I I can't tell you what an honor it is. I'm so thankful to be here and have your wonderful audience who are interested in opening their lives and finding all of the things that are truly right in front of them that they're just not able to see. And I'm also thankful for you, Carol, for having the insight and the foresight to see that sometimes people need a few stepping stones to get there, and we are all on the same journey. We're all walking down the same path together, and sometimes we need to reach out and hold each other's hands and Um, I'm grateful that you're there to help hold hands of people, and I am too. And sometimes we also need hands to hold, and there's nothing weak about that. That's a sign of strength, knowing when you need to be nurtured, knowing when you need to nurture yourself. So I'm grateful for the ability to share that and to have people in my life to give it to me. Well,
1: thank you for being here, and we are going to close the show out now. So,
0: until next time. It's time to say so long for another day. Remember, you, my friend, are an awesome, wonderful, delightful, caring, fabulous, beautiful, giving, superfine, divine being. Here on this planet to enjoy your ever-expanding possibilities. Follow your bliss. Allow your light to shine. And by doing so you are automatically giving your best to the world. So until next time, when we will be discussing your unlimited possibilities, namaste.